Alright, now how do parrots poop? Once I learn that, I'm really going to turn these people's lives upside down. Hi, I'm Steve, and this is Then You Ruined It, a podcast where me and Jason try to get through just 20 minutes of human interaction without, well, ruining it. Buckle up, folks. It's going to get bumpy. So I think at this point, uh, especially if you're in a, a couple, you've at some point been approached by somebody and they say they have they have a good offer for you or something to you know, get in on and I want to invite you over for dinner and we're, we're going to talk about it. And I mean, red flags all over the place. Don't do that. In my case, it was a friend of my wife's, not uh, somebody I knew. So I had to go along for the ride. It's a friend from college of my wife's. And she invited us over for dinner with her and her husband. We saw them and they, they, they seem like cool people. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this this could be good. This is going to be fine. You know, I'm, I'm always interested to meet more people that, you know, <laughs> beat my number of friends and <laughs> might change it from two to like three. <laughs> I, I don't believe you because you would have had more stories about you getting together with people if you felt that way. Uh, no, I, I'm usually pretty much decided on people once I've met them. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going nowhere. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do this <laughs> again. This one was out of my control. I didn't get to say no because it's a friend of my wife. So we're going and you're going to enjoy it or you're going to put up with it, whatever. So, uh, we get there and go up to their apartment and guy introduces himself and we chat for a little bit and, uh, the dinner is presented. Dinner is, oh goodness. Uh, so the guy is a, is a large man. Uh, I will, I will call him Mike. It's not his real name, but I will call him Mike and Mike eats a lot. Can we call him big Mike? Uh, Yeah, he definitely is big Mike. Big Mike. Big Mike likes to eat big meals and he talks about this and his wife talks about that as well. How she always got to cook those big meals because Mike loves to eat. So I bring out when I, when I'm bringing out the meatloaf, which is what we had that night, I bring out two meatloafs and this is not like a, a, like in a loaf pan, like those two meatloafs, like, okay, this is, you know, good sized. No, this is like two giant plates of meatloaf (laughs) and not, uh, there were, there were sides, but it was mostly just meatloaf. Like this is the meal. (laughs) Enjoy. And it was the breadiest meatloaf I've ever had. (laughs) Which is like, as far as I'm concerned, strike one for these people. Mike doesn't care what he eats, so long as there's a lot of it. Yes. I mean, he, he basically said as much, and then we just ate this food. And as we eat, we're uh, hearing more and more about them and their life. And they also have uh, another girl living with them that is not daughter, not adopted, not just, just, just a girl living there. Uh, they took her in off the street, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. That's the thing you do. And uh, so... As we're talking through the meal and then kind of just hanging out after the meal, because I don't know if it's a regional thing. I feel like in the Midwest where I grew up, you get done with the meal, you put up your plate and you leave. You don't, you don't sit at a restaurant. Definitely. But even at the dinner table, you don't sit around and talk for an hour or two. You just, you're done. You you finish your meal and you get up and you leave and you move on to the rest of your evening or whatever. So you don't socialize with the people that you got together to socialize with. You just eat next to each other and then you're done that sounds amazing you can socialize but you don't have to do it at the table like i i can't tell you how many times when after i met my wife and i came and visited her because i didn't live in the same town uh when i came and visited we would have lunch it would be two more hours later before i could drive home and it's a long drive it was a three-hour drive 
before I could drive home because I had to sit there and just listen to this family chatter and <laughs> oh my god I, I listen to this woman talk what the heck I mean it, was, it wasn't just woman it was the whole family but it was they would just talk and heaven forbid they would start talking more about food and get hungry again I'm like no come on you stay at the table long enough to talk more about food you just ate that is that that is antithetical but I, I feel like it's a regional thing because I've been told, you know, that's that's what people in the South do. You finish the meal and you sit at the table and you enjoy each other's company. And that, that's just excruciating to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good old Southern boy. That's for damn sure. So we, we did that. We finished the meal and I, I don't even think the plates were put up at that point. It was just the luxuriating at the table and hearing about the ministry that Mike and his wife and I guess this girl had also kind of formed and were... were uh, pleased to to be a part of and I, it definitely felt cultish and this isn't even like multi-level marketing like this is like this has felt like a cult like we were trying to be indoctrinated into a cult luckily we clearly we had plenty of agency about it and we weren't like forced into anything we, we definitely both left uh i remember me and my wife left and this was the meal was probably served at 7 seven thirty. we didn't leave their apartment until like eleven thirty. And I was literally just sitting at that table, listening to Mike talk about everything he wanted to do with this ministry and how, what he was doing in the life of this girl who barely said a word for herself, which made it even creepier. Um, yeah, we got to the car and I was like, I, we got, we, I, I was, they could still see us from the apartment or whatever. And like waving. So I'm like, I'm not going to say anything until I get in the car. I don't want Bye this to be, cult. you know, <laughs> yeah, basically I want to be Thanks driving away before I say this to you. It's like, I feel like I just left a horror movie setting and I'm lucky to be alive. <laughs> and luckily my wife, even though it was her friend said, me too. I said, I'm never going back there and I don't want to see those people again. And she said, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to leave you and join their cult. Apparently that's yeah, the thing. Was, Big Mike I, and the ladies I, ministry. It was one of the most uncomfortable settings I've ever... And there wasn't even, like, any, like, background music or anything. They were like, oh, let's put on some music, you know, while we sit here and chat. It was it was just silence. So anytime he would say something that wouldn't land or would scare the crap out of either of us, it was just silence until he said something else. <laughs> I don't like any of this. So that, that was one of my more upsetting dinner experiences. I guess. And the closest I've come to like multi-level marketing. I definitely have no people that have gotten into that stuff. You're not going to sell me on that. Okay. This might ruffle a few feathers, but multi-level marketing is not a cult. It's a horrible idea. It's bad business. It's a dick move. It's not a cult. You can't be like, I've never done this mildly bad thing because I almost got put in a cult. I don't know. The people that I've heard that have gotten into it and definitely the ones that are, are still into it, it feels like you're trying to be pulled into a cult. In person, on Facebook, it's it's cultish. Let me think about this. Now I need to assess my true opinion of Ultimate Eleven Marketing and why do I not like it and is it because it's a cult? For me, a cult has to threaten your soul, not just your bank account. Okay. I, I don't know the definition of a cult, but I guess that could be true. I mean, like, multi-level marketing, they force you into a bad financial situation and then they present themselves as the only way out of it. True. But it's, it's very financial. If you're just okay being poor, then they have no power over you. Yes. I'm set. See all those video games back there? You can't stop me. <laughs> we have no money and I still buy them. <laughs> you have no power over me. No, you're the prime example of who multi-level marketers should 
target. Any multi-level marketers in the Virginia area, look up Jason Sigler and try and get him in your group because he makes poor financial decisions. That's just for myself. That's not going to be for my family. If you try to get in, like, it, that, yeah, I, point taken. Do you have any indoctrination stories yourself? Like, you, could you elaborate on your, your experience with cult or no cult? <laughs> <laughs> hey, take your crazy juice. Cult or no cult? <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've, I've definitely had some weird uh, religious experiences where, I mean... They're not really good stories without really getting into religion because I've like been asked to cast out demons and stuff like that. But I don't know. Is that cultish? Wait, you've been asked to cast out demons? Yeah. A guy said there was an evil spirit in his house and he asked me to cast it out. So yeah, whatever you call that. I did that. Are you a priest? <laughs> I was a missionary. Okay. I've done missionary. Oh, I mean, sorry. Uh... <laughs> Been there, done that. Okay, some some missionaries get asked to cast out demons. This one did. I don't know. I looked, you know. Like in your neighborhood? It was just a guy that we knew. We were just like checking him. I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, actually, I'm doing really bad. There's an evil spirit in my house. Hey, will you guys cast him out for me? And we're like, we don't know how to do that. Well, if you don't, then who does? We're like, well, I guess we'll try. <laughs> so it was the weirdest casting out of a demon. We're like, uh, I don't know if anyone's here, but could you leave? <laughs> By the, if you're here by the power of Christ, don't be. <laughs> That's pretty much what it came down to. I like the idea that you can get ordained to marry someone online. So why can't you get ordained to <laughs> send out spirits? I, I mean, as a missionary, I, 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 I do believe in God. I believe in evil spirits. I believe in all this stuff. Call me crazy if you want. But I do believe the power of good can cast out the power of evil. And I did my best. I don't know if I'm good enough or if this was evil enough, but I tried. And at the end of the day, that's all you can ask of a 19-year-old young man. I I just, I, I get the, the idea and the sentiment behind it, but just asking someone that you think is a good person to cast out a demon is not... I I also believe enough in that stuff to think there's there's something to it. And, but just asking someone you think is good to be like, yeah, go, go try and cast out a demon, see what happens for you. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, you, you, especially based on the movies, and I mean, some of the movies that are you know, based in reality, you see the people that come in, they, they know what they're doing. Like, there is a process to this. There are things you need. Like, did you come in with like, oh, do you have holy water? Uh, I boiled it. Is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for when you're casting out a fetus. Which birth, like not this. You, you always have hot water when you birth a baby in your house. I don't know. Yes, in the movies. and tear the sheets and all that yeah. stuff we heard back in the movies. Yes, I understand. I, I, I just, I, I can't imagine a scenario. Like, I, I can't, definitely can't imagine a scenario where I would be cool with that. Like, I would not be. A, I'd be afraid that I would be going in to like cast out this demon or the spirit, and it would like jump into me because I'd be like, oh, fresh meat, or there's, hey, there's a sucker. I can, I can leave. Sure. <laughs> Joke's on me. Now I've got the demon in me. But I feel like I would be scamming these people, whoever it was. Because I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Hey, spirit. <laughs> you, you should leave. It's like Larry David if he was casting out spirits. <laughs> the evil spirit's in here. You should leave. In Red the closet. Rover, Red Rover. Yeah. And Beelzebub right over. And then you lock him with your <laughs> companion and let him crash into you. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like there's definitely a a comedy routine there where somebody's casting out spirits, but they've never done it before. It's like, what do you think that would be like? What would you do? I'll tell you, like, you, you, you just wander in there and you look at the other person. They're like, you do it. Like, so there's there's that moment of, you know, when you're two people don't want to do the same thing and you just look at each other over and over like you. No, you, you. And finally, someone's got to step up. And if there's if I've learned one thing in my life, Jason, as a podcaster, is that if you fake competence, people will believe you. And I just had to assume that evil spirits work the same way. So I just acted really confident in my ability to cast out this demon and never heard about it again. So either the evil spirit <laughs> left or I did such a bad job that more evil spirits came in and this guy was too embarrassed to tell me. Or as a placebo demon. <laughs> Because I, we definitely went back to this dude's house after that, and he didn't bring up the demon, and instead let his parrot sit on my shoulder. So I was an exorcist <laughs> and a pirate in the same house on different days. Steve Shinney, amateur exorcist. Professional pirate. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, sir. Dude, I look dope with a parrot on my shoulder. I'm sure you did. Pixar, it didn't happen. Oh, I'll send you a pic. I, I, have, I don't have pics of me casting out the demon, but I do have a pic of me of the parrot on my shoulder. Not as scary as asking somebody who is not a an ordained priest to come uh, send the spirits out from my home. I mean, technically, I was ordained. Like, I mean, he did what he had to do. <laughs> One of us was slightly older than the other, so, you know, he was following all the rules. Did you at least have a collar on? Nobody's going to exercise any spirits from my home if they don't have a collar on. I had a tie. Nah, it doesn't count. You should have at least gone in their kitchen and like cut out a strip of paper and put it in your shirt. <laughs> then would be Catholic. They're not Catholic. I don't care. It's all about... <laughs> if you're, you're trying to convince the spirit. You're trying to like get the spirit to believe that you're going to cast it out. The spirit doesn't know your religion. Come on. Seriously. It does not care. It just wants to see. It's like... Oh, uh, you know what? This guy's got the cross. He's got the. He's got the. He knows what he's doing. We should go. We should go. We ought to do. I don't know. Jump into that parrot. I guess. He seems like he's had a pretty good life. We'll get him back later. Yeah. All right. Now, how do parrots poop? Once I learn that, I'm really going to turn these people's lives upside down. And that's why karma is done by bird poop. Oh, goodness. We're back on this. Okay. Your amateur exorcism, I think, needs to end here. Because I... Are you still asked to do this? Or was this just when you were a kid? I have not been asked to cast out an evil spirit since I was 19. That's... That, but that, if that's... you would like me to, I'll come to your house and try. I offered zero promises. But if you have some kind of animal that I could put on my shoulder later and take a picture, we'll consider it square. It's like, I will come here, I my uh, my floor creaks, and it could be a thing, and I have a small dog that will sit on your shoulder. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right. Come Let's, on over. I'll bring some tacks and my cross. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> That's on a cross. You just put some sticks together. I saw you do it outside. <laughs> <laughs> don't you question my method <laughs> yeah. don't tell them the spirit can hear you might not work now let me see the yep that's not water that is watered down sprite <laughs> get out of my home <laughs> I, I don't know if exorcism is a thing on yelp but <laughs> if it was i would give you one star i think i did a good job 
I'm pretty sure the spirit left. I don't know. More so than any other profession, exorcism is binary. You either do it or you don't. Like a restaurant, yeah, there's a lot of subjectivity. The food was good, but the server was slow. Where do I rank that on a thing to one to five? With exorcism, it's a five or zero. Is the evil spirit still there? Zero. Is it gone? Five stars. Would exercise again. So exorcism is on a pass-fail basis. It is, because it's either there or it's not. Are you haunted? Bad. <laughs> not haunted? Good. Still hear voices in the night? Bad. Bunch of pigs ran out of your house and threw themselves off a cliff? Good. Thank you for sticking with us for another episode of Then You Ruined It. You can find more of our nonsense on Twitter. I am at Idahobo, and Jason is at the Jason Sigler. We also do a webcomics review podcast called Digital Strips. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Good, directly biblical with it. I like it. Thank you. <laughs>